Hi, everyone. This is Ron Jolson, and you're listening to the Christian Fellowship Community Forum podcast. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. All right. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Christian Fellowship Community Bible, National Bible Study Forum. This is our fifth session, and we're really, really excited. Specifically, we have over a thousand, well over a thousand people registered for today. Um, and a lot because of the amazing guest that we have, Kim Schliske, who I'll introduce in a moment. I'll start with Bill. So you guys probably all know Bill because he's been helping this organization for almost two years now. He's an author of over 33 books uh, in 25 different languages. He's taught in over 50 different countries. He's kind of our uh, pseudo leader of of this organization from just a pastoral standpoint. He helps minister to the group and incredibly um, thoughtful and smart and articulate. Um, and so he will be leading as usual. So that's Bill Hull. So now let me do, introduce our guest today, Kim Schliske. So Kim is, yes, the wife of President, CEO, and Chairman John Schliske. She is a mother of six children. Um, what you may not know is that she has been an attorney. She practiced law for 17 years 11 of which were at Northwestern Mutual. And now she's full-time supporting John and the family. Um, I have personally got to know Kim very well. I will tell you a few things that I love about her. She's, first of all, she's fun. She's funny. She has an unbelievable sense of humor. Uh, and her laugh is incredible. She's, it's just so, so fun to spend time with her. She's just a great person. And you may think that being the queen bee of Northwestern Mutual might make somebody pretentious or aloof, but far from it. Uh, Kim is one of the most down to earth people that I know. She's just, she's real. And she's a, a real person that deals with the stuff that all of us do. And she, she's transparent about it. And she just makes it uh, just, it's, it's just great to, to know her. Uh, and it's going to be great for you guys to get to, to know her in a different way. So welcome, Bill and Kim. Uh, and we'll be back later. Thank you. Thanks, Keith. Well, thank you, Keith. Uh, everything you've said about Kim is so true. Uh, an infectious individual. Well, uh, Kim, we've been looking forward to this. And so let's get right into it. So tell us a little bit about, uh, you're talking today about non-negotiables in your marriage, your family, and your faith. So let's start with where you began with respect to faith and how that was built into your life. Well, Bill, thank you so much for inviting me to talk with you this morning. It really means a lot, and it's an honor. And Keith, thank you for that warm introduction. Um, I grew up in a traditional Catholic family. My parents were devout Catholics. They had gone to Catholic school their entire life through college. Even my dad went to uh, Catholic medical school. And when they married, uh, I would say their faith was very, very important to them. And they raised us uh, with certain non-negotiables around our faith. One of them was we had to go to Catholic grade school, high school, college. Um, We all went on to graduate school, the five kids, um, but three of us went to Catholic graduate school. And I will tell you, as much as we sort of fought them around the college years, 
I especially loved it during my law school years, the accessibility and the ease in which I could practice my faith and go into churches and pray and attend mass was something that um, I think has really continued my whole life to inspire me. My parents had us go to Sunday mass, of course, with them as a family. My parents growing up were daily communicants. And I remember my dad waking me um, in the morning before he'd go to work to go to mass with him at 630. And even though I'd be going later with school, with grade school, I would go with him because I thought I was pretty special, one out of five kids. I, I don't know if he only asked me or if I was the only one who said yes. But I will tell you, it planted a seed. And to this day, I try to go to mass every day whenever possible. And so does John with me. My parents... Um, had priests in and out of our home all the time. They had dear family friends that were priests that would sit at our table um, very often throughout the year. And, and we would also celebrate family masses together. I will tell you that um, they also spoke about their faith. They talked about how special we were to God and how lucky and fortunate we were that God chose us to be born at this particular time in the history of the world. And just it spurred a lot of conversations um, between us. And before I went to college, I remember they gave me I think it was the same talk they gave the other kids, uh, which was work hard. Make sure that you're always a lady or a gentleman and always remember to pray. And I will tell you that I think the praying part wasn't as hard as they might have thought it would be for me because I did surround myself with people that made it easy to pray. And I call them my John the Baptist. So those people that always those one or two friends that always point God out to you. And that's really when I began, I began to be committed to going to daily mass. Now, the best John the Baptist I have in my life is my husband, John. And from the time we dated, it was clear to me that he would point God out to me. We were having dinner one night just before we were getting married. And I told him that I had just run into a woman I had worked with that had really just made my life miserable for years. And I was so kind and nice to her when I saw her. And I told John that when I walked away, even though I'd done the right thing, I really didn't feel very good. And John leaned into me and said, of course it doesn't feel good to do the right thing. It never does. That's not why we do it. We do it because that's what God wants us to do. And I, I really believe I believed at that moment and said to him, oh, my gosh, you are my ticket to heaven. Thank you. Uh, then one other story, how John was my John the Baptist is we were married and had two older boys in middle school, junior high. John John was uh, three going on four. So I then a three year old and a two year old who had just been diagnosed with special needs. And we were adopting Maureen. And she and John John were 36 months apart. And we got a phone call that um, there was another baby that had just come in who was three months younger than Maureen. 
And if we wanted to adopt her, we needed to let them know the next day. And the border would probably be closed. There would be no more international adoptions from Guatemala a year from that time. So I told them, thank you very much. I thought we had enough children, but I'd call my husband and let him know. And when I called John at work, he didn't even hesitate a second. He said, well, I think we have to say yes. I think we're being called by God to to adopt her. And I said, oh, I, I don't know, John. And John said it was our it was our date night. We went out to dinner that night and he said, Kim, I know it's going to be crazy for a few years, but these kids are going to be such a blessing. All these kids are going to be such a blessing. And I think we should say yes. And I did, of course. And I can't imagine life without our Mary Grace. And I have John to thank for that and surrounding myself with that John the Baptist, Um, which, Bill, brings me to how faith and our non-negotiables came into our marriage. And I'll tell you that John and I, when we dated, we never spoke intentionally about non-negotiables. But our faith um, was very important to us. And the reason we both knew we were getting married wasn't just because we loved each other and loved the idea of having a family together, but it was that we really believed that we were going to bring each other to heaven and that our number one goal in raising our children was to make sure we equipped them with everything they need to get they needed to get to heaven. So John and I, um, I went to mass every day before work. So John began meeting me at 615 in the morning before work and we'd go to church together. And that's a practice we still continue whenever it's possible. Some years we could go every day. Other years like this year, we're in the car, unfortunately, driving the kids to school when mass during 630 mass. Um, But it is something that come this summer in another week, we will begin going to daily mass again. And I can't wait. And I think John can't either. Um, We pray the rosary together. We pray it every morning when we walk early. um, And it sort of frames our conversation for the rest of our day and how we're going to talk to each other and what we're going to talk about. Another thing that's very important to us, and we never really talked about it, but our retreats. Um, We've gone on several four day silent retreats and we've they're men and then a separate one for women. But John and I made one retreat together, a four day silent retreat, and we both were so committed to it. It's it's something we have not been doing in the last few years, but it's something we said we need to commit to. And we we have been trying, but things have come up when we were supposed to go. And I'll tell you, John and I are two very different people from the two people that got married 20 years ago. Um, And that's another 20 minute talk. But the one thing that has not changed, the one, the only thing that hasn't changed about John and about me, I would say, are our values that were non-negotiable when we met and when we married. And the number one value is, of course, faith. Um, so didn't I you guess have sort of a, didn't you have sort of a crisis at one point where you had to decide, you know, what are non-negotiables? 
Well, yeah. I mean, when we were when we were married, uh, when John became CEO, we'd never talked about our non-negotiables. And John told me that as part of being CEO, he would have to join a public board and that um, in two years, he just wanted to alert me to the fact that he would not be with me on my birthday. Um, and I said, because of a board meeting and dinner, and I said, well, two years. And by the way, that's when I turned 50. And he said, well, Kim, do you realize what the board expects from me and why they pay me what they do? And I said, so are we going to be held ransom for the next 15 years? I'm not fighting you on this, but let's just separate uh, right now from this conversation and let's meet back in here in 24 hours and you give me a list of your non-negotiables and I'll give you a list of mine. And John's non-negotiables were pretty straightforward and they were about around what do you expect from each other for the next 15 years when it comes to family and the CEO position. John's non-negotiables for me were that I attend all functions around annual meeting, that I attend at least one regional meeting, but as many, you know, he would love me there, but at least one, and that I make sure to go to the managing partner conference and stay the entire week. Um, none of these are difficult to do because I, truly love the people at Northwestern Mutual. But those were his non-negotiables. My non-negotiables were that John come to all of our, um, I would handle all of the parent-teacher conferences so he could travel, but he had to be with me for Mikey's, our son with special needs, because we needed to fight. And I said, you have to come, I'll go to every game, I'll drive them to their practices, whatever athletics they're involved in, but if they're in a championship, you have to be there. I said that you need to be at every Christmas concert and spring concert, and those are my non-negotiables, except for you will be at my birthday on my 50th, and uh, he was. Um, and I think uh, that was a beautiful, a beautiful testament, and it's never been an issue again. So um, I think we did have to revisit. So anyway, um, thanks for bringing that up. That's that's one of my favorite stories. How about how about and, the how about the uh, faith in hard times? That you know some of the things that have been difficult and challenging to you. Well. I'll tell you that um, I've never doubted the existence of God, and I, I think that's a grace, a real grace. Um, but I have gone through periods of my life where I have felt numb to God. And on one particular retreat, of one of my four-day silent retreats, I was going through a really tough time uh, in my, I don't know, personal life or work life. But I... I would, I was going to daily mass. I was praying the rosary and I told the priest who was a spiritual director on retreat. I said, I just, I'm numb. I'm doing all of this praying to God and I'm numb. And he said, well, God's not numb to you. You have to trust in the slow work of God. And just as a surgeon works on your body, and is healing you while you're under anesthesia and you feel nothing, 
That's what God is doing right now. While you're feeling nothing, God is inside you. God is working. God is exactly where you are. And, you know, the point is, where are you? Where is God in my life? Whenever I ask that, I know the answer is, well, where am I? Because wherever I am, God is there, even in the messes of my life, in the worst messes or in little messes. And uh, Bill, I told my son the story last night about how we were all in church with the four younger kids on a Sunday. And John John was five years old. Mikey was four, our special needs son with an intellectual disability. He still had not begun talking. So he was pretty disruptive. And um, then we had our two adopted daughters who were two at the time. And they came with significant needs as well. Uh, They've overcome them for the most part. But I had three kids in speech therapy occupational therapy, physical therapy. And I used to say to John, I need psychotherapy, but I don't have time. And um, we'd go to mass and our kids were just terrible. We'd bring crackers and food and games and rosaries, plastic rosaries. And I could hear a woman behind me one day say in mass saying, they're so unruly. How can they not control their children? And my stomach was in knots. I knew we looked like a mess. I knew we were acting like a mess. And I just turned to her and said, I'm so sorry. I guess God gave you perfect children, but he gave us special needs. Now, John, get the kids and we're leaving. And John looked at me and all the kids sort of stood and we walked out and this woman apologized as I was leaving, but I was in tears. And when I got home, I don't know what made me remember that talk that wherever I am, whatever mess I'm in, God is right there with me. And and from that experience, I went back to church on Sunday with a whole new attitude that God was with me. And honestly, things changed at mass. They weren't ever perfect by any means. Um, but it, maybe I calmed down and it helped our kids calm down. So I think it's important to remember that God works through us and in us. And he's right with us there in our messes. Um, and it's something that I want to I, I really can't impart enough onto my children that thought. And John and I have really tried to raise our children to practice our faith together. And there are sort of the non-negotiables that my parents had, Sunday mass together. Um, We pray the rosary whenever we're traveling for more than an hour. And during the month of May, which is Mary's month, we always try to pray a rosary every night. Some, some months, some years, it's only a decade, depending on what's going on. Um, Right now it's a decade because Mikey has decided that um, it reminds him too much of COVID because we prayed the rosary every night during COVID. And um, so now when we sit down at the dinner table, instead of saying the rosary afterward, Mikey leads us in grace, says a prayer for the end of COVID, and then says, begins with the decade of the rosary with our father. And he does it in a French accent or an Italian accent, but we're all praying together. We're laughing and we're present. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, that's so wonderful. Yeah. 
Kim, it's uh, I think what really is so encouraging to all of us listening to you is the reality of life that you don't have this perfectly hermetically sealed life of a CEO's wife of a major corporation, that you're a real person living out a real life with real family and real challenges. And this is so not only encouraging to the rest of us, but we we sense and we can feel coming through the screen the power of God uh, as you talk t- testify to the reality of God in this. And and now we're we're about ready to move into our groups, and we haven't finished with you yet, Kim. Uh, you go into a group, uh, you'll be able to enjoy that group, and then when we come back out, we're going to find out what you thought about all that and some closing thoughts. But right now, we're going to go into the groups and. Uh, the questions that we're going to be discussing in the groups are what are your non-negotiables? How did you arrive at them? And how do you communicate them to your family, co-workers and others? And Kim has certainly given us a great guide in this. And so let's break into the groups and we'll see you in a few minutes. We're all here. Uh, Kim, are you here? Yes. Oh, great. Hey, we okay. had some, hey look, our, our discussion was so practical. And we went right down the list, you know, that you gave us. And that is fantastic. So how was it for you? It was wonderful. It was wonderful. It was great talking and hearing, hearing other people's non-negotiables and developing some new ones. So I think it was great. Terrific. So today uh, you've told us a lot and we could do a whole series with you, Kim. There's no doubt. You may have a future, you know. When you get, uh, when you're low on material, call me. <laughs> yeah, you have plenty of material, no doubt. Uh, what what is the like? Let's say the, the the main thing you'd like to leave us with today. Um, it's sort of what I tell, what we tell our children. Uh, faith is a muscle. You have to strengthen it. You always have to work and use it. Um, otherwise, it will atrophy and you'll become subject to temptation and the devil. And we really need to all practice our faith all the time, especially in front of those we love, especially with our spouse and our children, because then our spouse and our children not only become witnesses to our faith as we, but they become participants as they practice it and sort of make it form their own relationship, intimate relationship with God. And I I think it's so important. And that's where they'll realize the non-negotiable that God wants us to know is he's always there. He's there in our messes and And when we know that, when we realize that God is working with us through our deepest experiences, that's when we can let go trying to solve our problems. And it's enough to know that he's with us and we'll be okay. And I just, I think the more we practice our faith, the easier that will, that will be an easier response to have is the awareness of God's presence. That is so powerful because, to me, uh, the basic carrier of God's message is the family from one generation to the next. And the impact of families is far greater than we even can imagine down through the generations. So thank you, Kim. You were spectacular. We loved it. 
And I'm going to turn it back to our good friend, Keith Wagner. So that was a great breakout session. We, we, uh, it was just really fun talking about those things. It was good. So thank you for that, Kim. Thank you for joining us. And for more information, visit our website, www.christianfellowshipcommunity.org. The Christian Fellowship Community is an independent, not-for-profit corporation. CFC is supported by volunteers and through donations from its participants. Neither CFC nor this episode are endorsed by, affiliated with, or promoted by Northwestern Mutual. 